is up? Hello, everyone. Welcome to Culture. I am your host, Leslie Lee III. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. I'm still sending out the notifications because we got a big show tonight. We got a big show tonight. We got to get everybody in the room tonight because we're talking. We got to get everybody in the room. We got to get the families together. We got to get the families together to talk over some gabagool about the Sopranos. The Sopranos, folks. I've been Soprano Pilled, my wonderful partner, YB, who is joining us tonight from the couch, from the backseat. My Roz is here. And they, they, look, it actually started from a tale of woe because I've never seen The Sopranos before, sadly. I never got into it. For some reason, when it was announced, I was like, I, that just looks like a Godfather ripoff. I'm like, why would I watch that? <laughs> Looks like a Godfather Ripper. Oh, everybody, first of all, give us a thumbs up if everything sounds good. You can always dial in and call in anytime you feel like it. We, I do have a new mixer, so please let me know if any sound levels are off or anything like that, if anybody needs to be turned up or down. But they, but I never got into Sopranos, even though everybody was crazy for it, because I just always dismissed it. Because, I mean, because this is before there was anybody thought there was such a thing as, like, prestige TV, right? I guess so. Yeah, it was the first uh, real series that HBO had. Maybe? Yeah, well, 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 they had series, and um, and um, Oz predates it oh, a right. little bit, but Oz didn't really take the culture by storm like The Sopranos did. So I kind of like dismissed it, like you would it. Like back in the day, if some everybody says a TV show is great but it looked goofy to you, you just didn't watch it. Like you didn't feel obligated to watch it because oh, I don't, I don't want to see some ripoff. Uh, Godfather thing. I don't care if anybody, everybody says it's good, but since the prestige days, I, I feel like people more, feel more obligated. But I'm, I digress. I finally got into Sopranos during quarantine because YB has started a little rewatch of their own. But sadly, YB sped past no, me while I was away. Spoilers. I went from season the end of season one <laughs> to the beginning of season six. That's and I've seen in to the end of season six. So that's all the Sopranos I've seen, all of season one, and all of, and all of the first season and all of the last season, which I actually think is a le- legitimate way to watch to TV watch sh- to watch TV shows. Yeah, I think I actually have like maybe some insights that maybe like people who watched all the seasons might not notice. Just like when I finished the show, uh, and I feel like this is not the usual feeling, but I was just relieved. I was just wow. I'm glad all that family is dead, and I have to spend more time with it. Not that the show was bad, but just like those people. Like when you see them in the first season, like there's these hints that they have some depth to them. But then the sixth season says, "No way. These people are all just absolutely depraved monsters." And like that jump from season one to season six for me immediately. It like it was so like I've never seen a show like that with that show characters. Of this, like, just low class, just absolutely, like, worms. It's like the worst hypocrites in the world, the worst people in the world. Like, it's almost like The Sopranos is like a vampire show, actually. It's like a show about vampires who suck the life out of everything else. You, YB, you point out to me that Tony... To everything he gets, he takes from someone else. Yeah, everything, every every gain he has. He's always on the take, take, take. And everything he gets or everything he gives even, he gets from one, someone else. You know, his gifts to to family members or people he wants to manipulate, those things 
are things that he himself has also stolen. But, you know, in skipping the whole series, um, you didn't seem so happy when I dropped a major plot point on you. Uh, well, well, I mean, it was fine because I feel like spoilers <laughs> in this show kind of don't matter ultimately because so many people die. Like, and there's so many characters. Yeah. I feel like spo- – and, and first of all, like everybody knows the ending. Like I knew what the ending was before because people were debating, of course, what did Tony Soprano die or not. Like nobody cared about spoilers when it happened. Everybody talked about it. Yeah. And I, when I saw it, I was like, yeah. Like even without watching the show ever, I was like, no, he got fucking clipped. Like, <laughs> n- But now that I've seen the show, I'm thinking like, no, they all got fucking clipped. I even feel like yeah. the reason we saw Metal struggling to park is because I can literally imagine Imagine, like the killer bam he gets you know uh he gets aj well, and then tony's light like, stands up and bam gets gets tony bam gets carmela mellow meadow screaming and then he note in the and because you know tony says something he actually puts the finger on meadow because uh, meadow's coming in through the door right so i think the perfect last thing for tony to do is to point out that oh that maybe that's my daughter. So the the hitman knows that he needs to kill her. So then he goes out, what? following Meadow out there, and the Meadow is, is able to make it to the car. Yeah. But because she doesn't know how to fucking park, she rams into it and then gets shot. And I think all of them get murked. That's my that's my theory on the ending of Sopranos. I mean, I just think it was Tony who was clipped. Just Tony. Said. But I do think the part that Meadow is having trouble parking is a great full circle moment because they are incredibly inept and spoiled children. (laughs) They have no life skills, which is why Meadow's always bouncing around. She has no direction. She was never encouraged to have any depth, you know, in her family. And it's a real portrait, I think, of the struggles that some youth have, that they don't have that, you know. But that was hysterical, just her having trouble parking. She misses out on a last, a final interaction with her father (laughs) because it takes her ten minutes to parallel park. Well, I was absolutely riveted by the show. I'm go- definitely going to go back and catch those middle seasons. But please call in. Let me know what you think about The Sopranos. Did you watch it? Are you interested in watching it? Are you going to get into it? What's your favorite line? What was your favorite death? I, I know like- my, my favorite line. What? Can I swear? Yes. N- what? No fucking ZD? <laughs> <laughs> that was the line that won me over. I think that's AJ. only in like episode two or three. Yeah. AJ coming in with the heat. So what now? No fucking ZD. Oh my god! It's so perfect. It's such a fine delivery. The the show is just absolutely. It's it's hysterical. I did not know how funny it was. It really is more. I, it's almost like a sitcom in a lot of ways. Paulie, a, ultraviolet yeah. sitcom. Paulie Gutierrez. He brings a lot of these weird psychotic humor humor humorous moments in it like when he's really superstitious about the cat in the last season they uh find a cat in the bada bing and you know kind of hangs out and they feed it and everything and paulie gets it into his head that it's uh it's staring at christopher's photo all day so it must be adriana i thought yeah adriana that he thought it was adriana oh her spirit maybe it was cosette though because Oh, Cosette the dog. Oh, no, man. Too soon. Such a sad, two sad deaths. Cosette, oh, my God. Sad and kind of funny. I'm sorry. I know it's, look, it's, look, I know. It's played comedically, I think. I think, 
of all the taco cover your ears, taco cover your ears, of all the dog deaths on film, what no. is probably is the only one that's ever that's actually kind of funny that managed to be so ridiculous that it's a little bit. That's funny. terrible. I know it is. Taco, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, that's but terrible. But Chris, I just hate Chris so much. I think one thing I I feel like a lot. A lot of people seem to like Chris for some reason as a character. I couldn't stand him. But I only saw him in season one and season six, so I, I don't know. I mean, Does I, he grow on you as a character? Through the he series? grew on me. I mean, it, it, the only thing is I think, I mean, from an age standpoint, because it's maybe harder for you, for someone to, to kind of like fall into agreeing with Tony Soprano or something. Christopher was Christopher and Adrienne were more of an – neutral con- couple at the beginning but he really destroys his relationship with her and is you know the reason for her downfall well death yeah. I, I, <laughs> absolutely yeah, yeah I, that, oh just <laughs> justice for adriana uh man but everybody i just this show it there's so many great characters who so is many your, great. who's your favorite character favorite character can be more than one i mean adriana is a big one up there i really love adriana I like Polly a lot too. I ended up liking Polly a lot. I actually don't like that character. I feel. I mean, not the, uh, that actor in a lot of stuff, mm. but I end up liking him in this show. Yeah, I like Phil. I gotta say. Yeah, I end up like I end up liking Steve Zant's character. That blows a lot. my mind. <laughs> and today I did a deep dive, you know, to see his pic photos when he was with uh, Bruce Springsteen, just to see what he looked like back in the day or something. And he looks exactly the same, but thinner, like the same menacing kind of, you know, looking up from, you know, this hunch position. So I don't know how much of a stretch it was for Steven Van Zandt to play this role, but he's certainly excellent. He, he did another show where he played a gangster. He did a Lily Hammer where he like plays a gangster. <gasps> yes. that goes to the... the newer one, 2013 Lily Hammer. Yeah, yeah, the American yeah. Version, yeah. yeah. He was he was good in that as well. So he obviously is a great actor. I um I really liked uh, I really liked to hate every member of the Soprano family like Tony Carmela AJ and Meadow I did not like any of them as people as as characters I did not like them I what well, I I loved how Carmela is portrayed at least from season one and season six because mm-hmm. usually that role is a role where the woman ends yeah. up being the voice of reason yeah. and morality and it's like she is just like empty she has nothing inside her she's, she's just so orbit. awful she's so awful that even at like tony at his most sociopathic you're still like wow she's kind of a bad wife to tony well, <laughs> like even in the i was like when he she's like happy when he like stops doing therapy, I was like, "Holy shit! This person is maybe the worst person in the world while having the while killing anybody." Yeah, she's the new uh, Mrs. Soprano. So even at the end, the final episodes, you know, AJ's like, "Mom with the her with the fucking drama here." It's exactly the same way Tony, you know, talked to his mother. So, yes, like she's just full in. She's always been full in, but we thought. You know, for the first three seasons that she was, you know, the mom staying at home and really didn't know what was going on. Yeah. You know, that kind of attitude. But you just see the emptiness. And uh, I, I missed this scene, but you told me about it where she, like, conspires to, like, steal shit, like, from her friends and stuff with <laughs> along with Tony. Yeah. Like, uh, just figuring out, like, making deals, I mean, to hire her own status and her own clique um, and, uh, you know, tanking relationships 
Um, so she benefits in the end. I, I'm thinking about and, like the real estate deals that she made and um, yeah. Yeah. She's just the, uh, the perfectly paired with Tony, you know? Yeah, And even AJ who you're, you're, you're supposed to feel like sorry for in that last season a lot. He's such an immediate hypocrite and he only feels sorry for himself, like to the point where, like, even, oh my God, I remember once. I, I wish I could pinpoint. I wish I had screen captured. But there's like a certain point where, like, in any other show, yeah. this would be AJ's moment to walk away, to say, stand up for himself, to say, all right, this is bullshit. I'm gonna walk away. I'm gonna do the right thing. And instead, he just starts like, I'm depressed. Leave me alone. Well, and I he think... starts and like, but in a way that's so like unconvincing. You think it's performative, like. That ends up feeling like performative, where it's like it's just like oh, this is now his new thing, and then his next thing is becoming a leftist, and then his next thing is becoming of joining the military. It's like you all you he get they give you so many hope spots with uh <laughs> that's a wrestling term, folks. Yeah. Hope spot is the spot where you think uh, the good guy is gonna make the comeback, but then maybe the bad guy beats him down. And AJ, he has so many hope spots, so many chances where he might just reach out i don't think those were chances never... man i think it's like a slaughter shoot you <laughs> know? Just, yeah really like he's really being right. funneled in because his mom he says i'm gonna join he he does go very leftist you know his sister explains to him when he's like a young teenager this is our family and this is the type of business he, we're in and he struggles with that because he's seen you know she lays it out we're an italian family and you're the son you know they're all going to be about building you up so he tries to to cling to like national international issues you know he's uh anti-war and anti um uh bush and then his parents don't support that his parents are like you know you're a fucking idiot so he switches then he goes into his own depression which i think like really plays as real and then he's like i'm gonna join the army and they're like fuck you you don't want to join the army because he's being funneled and groomed into being you know, a member. So he he's like, go hang out with these buddies who have this frat party. He hangs out oh, with the yeah. junior crew, and they do a fucking hate, cr- a brutal they hate, hate crime. crime. Yeah. I re- I want to say I really like the way The Sopranos portrayed racism because I feel like usually when racism is portrayed on TV, mm. it's portrayed as ideolo- uh, ideology based around protecting the white race or and on the, and it's always portrayed and as long as it's like ideology ideological and it's like it feels like there's some nobility to that racism but these these people just hate black people they just dislike them they're just awful people they just are racist to be racist they have no ideology they're not trying to help themselves or lift up their race or take care of their people none of that yeah. shit they fuck over their each other and they just hate 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 black people and i i, I like that more pure racism on the tv show than the like fu- then like every racist is like just a nazi super villain it's like no these people are just pieces of regular pieces of shit who they are racist right from, next door to you you live yeah. right next do- yeah. door to you it's weird that um they they frame it it's not weird to me because i come from new york but to see um the kind of uh, um, they're using their Italian identity as saying, "Well, look at how the feds over prosecute us, yes. and we have it fucking worse." And and that's something. That's a legacy of kind of immigration in New York. Um, you know, the Irish and then the Italians. But all along, you know, it was extremely segregated, and um, you know, black people had no fucking rights and shit like that. But it, 
the Italians and the Irish who immigrated to New York in the 1800s, late 1800s, early 1900s, carry that kind of same, uh, similar, not same, but similar kind of uh, anti-us rhetoric. And I think that's a, a real portrayal that they still feel kind of more slighted. That's that my identity is has been persecuted just as much as yours. All right, Meadow. All right, Meadow. <laughs> well, speaking, no, no, no. But no, but speaking of Meadow, I do want to mention her downfall because I thought she was because she would be such a and she was too so far to the side. I thought she would maybe be redeemable, but she fucking gets Vito uh, killed for being gay. So yeah. like that's almost that's that was like one of the she worst things that's that happening on the show. So yeah. like I love how. I, I don't love it, but I love how every character was in at least in the main family, complete piece of garbage, no redemption, no possibility of redemption. But I love this show. Anybody wants to if, tell me what you think. If you want to hit the line, please just hit the button, jump right in. Let's talk Sopranos. Brianna, I see you down there. If you want to jump in, please feel free to do so. Brianna Joy Gray, folks, is listening in, and she is watching Sopranos for the first time. I think anybody, if you haven't watched The Sopranos, great, great, great quarantine watch. It, it's so it's a very, very breezy show, too. Uh, but... Yeah, I really learned a lot from this on how to manip- manipulate people. <laughs> I took absolute notes um, because Tony Soprano is totally on a unapologetic and that kind of that kind of self-confidence and bravado is really is really i think it the only redeeming quality it, i mean the ladies do love a confident uh, tony soprano well anybody anybody in this show has has you know real kind of confident like bullying confidence like yeah. and it really blows away this expectation you know this kind of genderized like men are tough and duplicitous and the women are just at home you know and like Carmela and Meadow are just as much pieces. Of oh shit yeah, as they're very much. I I I said this before. The women on this show have a sexual energy that feels dangerous, like <laughs> like like scary. It's just like I I I can't I can't I I can see why Tony is just so wild. And like every woman he meets is just like I don't know I don't know. Well, yeah, it, it does kind of. You see, he's like so plays on his like edible shit. It, like ever, it play like he's play, he has so much edible oh. shit he has to deal with, and it's constant for. He marries his mother, and then he like has mistresses for his mother, and then he gets a therapist as his mother. He also wants to have sex with, and he's messed. Oh, you thought the doctor was like his mother? His, she was another mother. She was obviously, she's a different kind of mother. Different but, color mother. Yeah, Why, he had wire mother and soft mother. Mm, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. yeah. So, Bree, you're on the line. If you want to unmute any time, absolutely feel free to do so. But we are just here talking Sopranos. There were a lot of uh, good uh, good deaths on the show. Lots of good deaths. We have, what's not your favorite? good deaths. But I, mean, I mean, not that good. You know. But what what what. what What's the what was a good death that you you were still unhappy with? I, mean, I would say somebody you didn't want to die, and a, a death oh, that was just Vito. set. Vito, yeah. Vito, gosh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the one that really sticks out of my head. You know, just like I mean, the way Meadow like plays it and relish relishes telling the story. Everybody loved it when they first heard these uh, rumors. I think. Um, they tried to play it off that like they were woke. They were okay with you know someone being gay. 
I don't know if they were, ever were. I yeah, think the they, only reason Tony was hesitant to rat him out was because Vito was his number one earner next to yeah. Polly. And so Meadow, when she came in, she like she relished it. She loved being the reason. She knew exactly what was going to yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah, and their homophobia, again, just like their racism, just based on this, like, you know, pit hatred, just animalistic hatred of people who are different. That has no, like, any sort of higher value it's not ideological value. They're just like awful people. Like, yeah, I don't know if it's rooted in, in xenophobia or like fear of others outside the family. I mean, that certainly doesn't help when you have a like you have a like the mafia is your family. So your your tendency to be hugely xenophobic or anti everyone else would be heightened. And the yeah, I just um, I'm thinking about uh, also the death of uh, I think. Um, Bobby Bacalieri, who was Janice's husband. Oh, yeah. That was a sad... Bobby, was he a good guy? Because I only saw enough of him. I saw him kick Tony's ass, and I was like, hell yeah. That was awesome. I loved that. But did Bobby... Okay. It's clear to me that I'm going to have to actually leave because I'm going to be spoiler to death. (laughs) Oh, no. Bree. Well, Bree, here's the thing. The spoilers don't matter. It's the journey. It's the journey. I mean... You guys are talking about Bobby getting got. I can't handle that right now. Oh, like, I'm so sorry. I'm like only in like season four. And okay, Janice uh, well, is still trying to get in with Bobby. She just made this corny t-shirt with his kids on it and is feeding him his wife, dead wife's lasagna. Like we're nowhere near any peril befall- befalling Bobby. Oh, but Brie, you know, you know what's coming. But Brie, how have you been enjoying the show so far? I love it. I am one of those people who really felt like she was not a sopranos person i don't like bang bang boom boom chase scenes gunfights i think it's dumb because you know exactly how it's going to pan out every single time and i thought this was just some regular schmegular degular mafia show some of which are better than others but just generally are not germane to my interest and then it was covid and i've literally watched every single thing else that's ever been made in the history of television (laughs) and decided to turn to this because it was a long it was like a lot of episodes i was like let's just see what this is all about and I guess I didn't I didn't realize that it's really a, a psychological drama. It's literally about oh, a dude yeah. seeing therapy. If someone had just said the words gangster needs to go see therapist to me, I would have been on this like 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such a surprising show. I agree. I think I, I hesitated on watching it for the exact same reason you, uh, you did. I feel like I had seen it before and I don't need to watch seven seasons when I can watch two hours of a movie of Goodfellas, you know? Right. But the show is just so like so much more interesting than you think it's i found it so much the humor was what really drew me in like that it was just a laugh a minute like it was almost non-stop jokes and then a murder or two uh, is what really uh, won me over i think david chase my man absolutely amazing amazing writer amazing writer on the show i know you you uh, uh brie you watch a lot a lot of shows a lot of the uh, hbo shows how do you think mm-hmm. this compares to the other shows uh that you've seen just generally like shows I mean, on like HBO pre- or like yeah, yeah, contemporaries like premium, of – Yeah, like the, the kind of HBO premium uh, canon, if you will. So what is that, like sex in the city? <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe – I mean Game of Thrones. What oh, is it? I see. Country, oh. Uh, yeah, the, the Sunday night watches. The Sunday night uh, – uh, what, What's the one about, about the a, robots? A Mar- West- no Marvel superheroes. That's yeah, like anything. <laughs> Westworld. Like, oh, Westworld I, I liked. Well, what's so funny is that – I mean it just is of such a different time, right? So the pacing of the show – and I don't mean this as an insult – 
but the pacing of the show, the the vibes feel a lot more like the West Wing era, and I like that. Like everybody, if you if you follow me, you know that I I was invited on the West Wing thing and was assigned one episode as they do. But me being me, mm-hmm. I binge like all the West Wing that had happened up to the episode I was assigned, which was like four seasons and have continued to binge since because there is something that's very consumable about that slightly slower pace. The, the episodes that allow like for filler and space for character development outside of plot um, shows that rely on the intimacy and the, you know, carefully plotted out over time relationships between a wide variety of characters and a lot of the satisfaction coming from two people who have been very well developed being put in a room and having uh, interaction that feels truthful as opposed to some like deuce ex machina, like big flashy moment or, you know, squids falling from the sky or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, it was it was wonderfully banal. If I'm yes. Yeah, yeah. It was like everything was in beige. There was. It was very kind of stark, and the setting was really kind of brutalist, but well, also that's just a little New long. Jersey. <laughs> New Jersey, yeah. yeah, but it just um, it it made it seem more real. Ever since you know you have Goodfellas of a Godfather, and every hit is clean and everything is tidy, mm-hmm. and in this one, their their poles, they 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 show up with a box of barber scissors, you know, and oh, yeah. they're passing that out. Everything oh, yeah, is yeah, 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 yeah. I wanted to point out their last big heist is a box of barber scissors. Absolutely useless. Okay, you're just shit. spoiling more stuff for me. Oh, happening. I, I mean, it's, it's not like, real. do you care about me? No, no, it's not real. Spoiler, but like payback? Did I do something wrong? <laughs> you know, did, so I, you did, talk- I, did I insult your wife? Like, <laughs> you did, you did uh, partner, but yeah, you did talk a lot of smack about. Uh, <laughs> Blade Runner, so that'd be it. But they're, I mean, they're, yeah, Yeah, but, but yeah, but the point, but the point is just like, it's so mundane. Like, they're all like small, they're like small time gangsters and it's all so small ball, but they all give their lives for it and it just ends up, well, I don't want to spoil it for you, but ends up not paying off for uh, any of them. Yeah, I do like the sloppiness of it, but the, the point um, about, how banal it is i i love especially because it's it's gangsters it's mafia the moment where the little boy realizes that his the girl he's dating is so much more wealthy than his dad (laughs) and 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 you can feel him kind of thinking like oh like i romanticized and potentially excused what my father was doing because i thought it gave us this big amazing life and the privilege was worth the what it meant for my father to be morally a moral void. <laughs> but now I realize there are people who do things that are legal, whether or not they should be legal, who knows what that, what that girl's father does. But there's, there's legal ways that people are out here moving through the world that get them way more money than my family has. And actually we're just like sad, petty, like tacky criminals, with like tacky overpriced porcelain yeah, figurines on our in our house. So tacky, so tacky. Oh, set design and that's it's, it's amazingly. I feel I feel bad for the set designers, kind of, because they put so much care into designing stuff that was so ugly, and you could see the artistry in that. But I bet they wish they could make something. It's beautiful. like uh, ab- no, well, absolutely, it reflects their character how yeah. just absent they are from humanity. And I loved you know tracking Carmela and their fashion and and uh, you know how the children grow. But, um, yeah, that was one of the things that clued me out. You know how morally and just ethically bankrupt they all are, that they just don't have that kind of nuanced maybe take. What, but well, the, well, 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 I do yeah. want I do want to mention fashion. 
okay? Because there has been the debate brought up, and I didn't bring this up, but people have been talking about it. Which show actually has better fashion from that era? The Sopranos or Sex in the City? Compared, that some people have said this. Some people have said, "Give me their you, names. Give me their." I think if you numbers. actually look at the men's, if you look at them, if you include the men, well, first of all, why are we even thinking about the men? I'm, I'm saying <laughs> Tony dresses way, way, way better than any of the scrubs that they were dating. Those what giant, scrubs? like those, those, they were, they were wearing like the worst early. Like like late nineties stuff. The guys were dressed horribly. In Leslie, I what? promise. I promise. Leslie. Mr. Big and Aiden, they were right. Like, oh, Mr. No, no, no. Mr. Big was cool. Mr. Big was cool. But like the random dudes that they would meet, they would always be wearing some like bowling shirts and shit. But not cool bowling shirts like Tony has. All right, he had much better. What? At least, at least Sopranos had great food. I mean, they were always eating. Like very, oh very, yes, the very food. Good food, the food, and always had a bottle of red or something, you know, just sitting there. I wonder if you could just watch the show if you just watched the eating oh, scenes, yeah. like you still would understand most of the show because they eat so much. <laughs> yeah. At what point, some character actually says, "What do we? All we do is eat. What again?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> how do you? What do you think of his relationship with law enforcement, though, and the feds, and how the Sopranos interact with them? It's great. I mean, it, it, it again, look, I don't know anything about anything. I don't, you know, this isn't, this isn't my area of expertise, but I think the show does a very admirable job of not shying away from letting the terrible characters be terrible, Tony included. And they do a lot of that with the racism stuff. Um, I just saw the bit where they're, uh, they have this money-making scheme where they've partnered with a, city councilman or something, a black guy in Harlem who's basically purchased these properties to make them into low-income housing for black people. And he's going to flip them over to the mafia for some, some kind of, I didn't really quite follow how they're going to make money from it, but they end up hiring a bunch of uh, wayward youth that's in one of the like rehabilitation programs the black guy works with to go and terrorize and evict all of the black people who've been occupying the house uh-huh. as a crack den. And the politics of it all, where everyone is so aggressively gray, there's this conversation between the black city councilman and whatever the white, I don't know, borough president, I don't know who that white guy's supposed to be, but some senior city official about how, yeah, when I started this job, I really thought I was going to be doing good things. And here I am hiring my at-risk youth program boys to go and rustle out and shoot up a bunch of crack addicted people in this in this lean to so that the these mob bosses can then take it over and strip it for copper pipes <laughs> like and there's this kind of like i don't know it's not moralizing it's not um you know hand-wringing but there's something that's really poignant about the nonchalance of how corrupt the world is and how nobody gets out unscathed yeah uh on the fbi specifically the portrayal of it david chase like he reads his fucking, uh, he reads his fucking. I guess at the time it would have been Intercept, I guess, or like a weekly, because <laughs> he uh, definitely talks. Ab- he definitely drops in the fact that basically every FBI anti-terror operation was them more or less like inventing stuff, and like every and th- this isn't really a spoiler, but so many of their informants get killed, like every single one, and every time the FBI shows up, they're like, eh, well. 
What can you fucking do, huh? It's like they don't they're so bad at their jobs. They never accomplish anything. They like are trying to put Tony in prison, but also like working with him at the same time. Yeah. It's so yeah. bizarre. Yeah. They're just like another gang that you have to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. They only um they only give out what they can steal from others. You know, the feds are like that and the Soprano family are like that. Yeah. Any mm-hmm. any gain they have, um, they can use it to manipulate the other group. So, uh, you know, the agents that come and interact with them are just as much trying to influence this other kind of firm or corporation or political, (laughs) you know, everybody's trying to make a play on everybody else. What I do notice, though, is everybody who comes in contact with the Soprano family, it's not going to end well. It ends up worse. No favor, (laughs) no good favor, no good deed. uh, Goes unpunished. Goes unpunished, yeah. Every interaction from the chef, Artie. Oh God. Okay, wait, 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 wait. I don't. I'm gonna. I'm gonna leave because okay. I can feel you about to say something. All no, I no, know no. is that we he's were, just no, tried to commit season. suicide. But whatever happens after that, I would like. No, no. To find we were out talking about. But we were talking about there, early, yeah, yeah, early, early, just the initial season screwing one, over two, yeah. okay. of this yeah. incredibly nice guy, this nice man who just wants to help out, and they destroy yeah, exactly. him. Yeah. But also, here's the thing: Artie should know better. Like, yes. like. Uh, first of all, he's so nice, but he doesn't listen to or respect his wife, who was 100% correct about every single thing that happened. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that scene. Yeah. He's hit. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> it's throughout. Like, he, she didn't want him to go. Like, the whole reason. I mean, okay. You know, from, from episode one, which, by the way, later now that I've seen more, you know, I reflect on that initial setup. And I think that doesn't feel like something Tony Soprano would do. And it feels sloppy. The burning down of the restaurant. Oh, yeah. It, that doesn't feel in character now that I know more about Tony Soprano. But regardless. Okay. So Tony, nice guy, Tony, for some reason, loves this guy already and decides he's going to try to make it. The, the biggest problem in our world in the first few episodes mm, yeah. is that someone is about to off someone in Artie's restaurant. Tony Soprano is concerned that it's going to hurt his business and ruin his restaurant. So he's really trying to get him to close down the restaurant so it doesn't happen and they have to find a new video for the shooting. Now, later on, there's nothing about this restaurant that suggests to me is the kind of place that mob bosses would go to gun each other down. So that's one point. You know, it never, it never, re- it never recaptures that sense of like ominous danger that you get in some of these other gangster style locations, like that little corner store that I go and meet up at sometimes uh, back when Junior was still free and healthy. You know yeah, what I'm talking butchers. about? The butcher's, the butcher's yeah. place, right? Yeah. Three, this place still feels like a family restaurant. So, okay, we'll put that to the side. Mm-hmm. Secondly, he goes and buys these tickets. The wife is like, "No, you can't trust Tony Soprano. There's no free favors from Tony Soprano." She's correct. Okay. Although in retrospect, if they had just gone on the trip, they could have avoided all this. But never mind. Oh, I okay. do remember that scene. Yeah, she does say that. She does tell him exactly. She's right. That. Yeah. It's just, he should know better. He's the one that's known this kid since he was a child, and his father was the mafioso. Okay. Then subsequently, he gets an inkling that the restaurant was burned down because the mother, who is Satan incarnate, tells him. Yeah. <laughs> okay now he has some plausible deniability and the mother is crazy and the mother hates tony so maybe she could be lying but he can't seem to really decide how he feels about it obviously there's some part of him that believes the mother because he's about to out tony at the funeral and then last minute changes his mind because other things happen at the mother's funeral okay the wife throughout is pissed off she hates that she keeps getting himself in these situations he, he's now th- threatening to cheat on her. And then the French aperitif stuff should be like, that's the end of it. Because at this point, I stopped feeling bad for Artie. Artie, he's a, he's a dumbass. <laughs> 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 he tastes this 
digestive. Like we all know that that shit tastes disgusting and Americans aren't going to go for it. Americans want stuff you can put in orange juice, guzzle down and be drunk. <laughs> like, are you new to America? They like, they like hypnotic and Alizé and all of these Moscato because they are sweet. They taste like sugar. Americans, if we, if we could get our alcohol in a juice box and suck it down like a Capri Sun, we would. In fact, we do. We call it, we call it White Claw. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so for some reason, he thinks that Americans are going to suddenly develop a, a taste for an herbaceous after dinner liqueur. <laughs> Tastes like uh, grass to Americans, I think. Although they do drink something called sambuco a lot, and I've never, I'm not a drinker, so I don't know what that is actually. I don't actually know what that is either. But the fact that neither of us have imbibed it, and I had drank many a drink, yeah. suggests to me that it's not in fact that popular. Okay. I, I feel I've heard, but the yeah, the the whole idea that uh, they should be drinking something he's trying to introduce something new into the family and nothing is ever going to fly no new stuff new ideas ever going to fit into yeah this family nothing new ever they ne- like i feel like a lot of this show is them like being afraid of the new world yeah. and technology do they ever get into like the internet but they the went for scene? this one that, that's what's so incongruent they went for this like the fact the idea that tony backed this to me felt really incongruous to me too unless he's right unless Artie's right that he saw the long, long game and knew Artie was going to fail and that he just wanted free dinner out of this. <laughs> well, Artie was the Artie was his childhood friend, right? They grew up together in the same neighborhood. Right, but, but there have been other moments where people are like, mm, I don't want to get into it with you because I'm going to have to beat you up. Like when, when, for example, Tony wouldn't let that other childhood friend, the, 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 the father of the guy from Nip Tuck. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> That schmuck who ended up stealing his car or taking his car or whatever, who got in the gambling game, Tony was going to not let him gamble. Or, no, that wasn't Tony. That was the other guy that wouldn't let him gamble. And then Tony did let him gamble. There's a storyline that I think you're coming up to about uh, with a guy who's the father of the Meadows friend. They both play soccer, uh, high school soccer uh, together. The one and, that committed to it, tried to commit suicide. Oh, okay, so you've, you've, you've hit that. Yeah, with yeah. the camping store. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, that okay, guy. good. Yeah, yeah, because every inch, every favor that this guy does for Tony, he just takes it all. You know, he says, uh, we're just going to take a bunch of tents from you. You know, it's a write-off, just loss prevention or something. And then they just clean him out. But that, that wasn't that wasn't him extending a favor. There was no there was no subtext about that. Like, he owed him, like, $50,000 or whatever right. from this gambling yeah. match. Yeah. So, like, but but the guy in the store... The well, whoever his, who was running the gambling thing in the first instance, I, I don't remember which character it was, was not going to let him participate because he didn't want to have to collect from this guy. Plus, he already knew that he was behind on his other payments. Yeah, he knew what he had to do. If he continued pressing him, he knew he would have to, you know, do something very nefarious to a, a friend, a personal friend, rather than a, um, you know, uh, someone in in the business. But Tony let him play. And and after, remember, he asks Tony, like, why did you let me play? And now that I'm connecting that with the instance with Artie and the liqueur, I'm thinking, Artie's right. Tony is a son of a gun. He's not, you know, 
he's he's setting people up because he knows he can milk them long over the long oh, term. Yeah. He's a vampire. He's vampire. It's a vampire, vampire show. I, yeah, he's, he <laughs> wants to suck everything because he's on the take for everything. He doesn't have a real job. Every inch, every dollar, every dime that he takes is taken from someone at a I, real personal cost. And right? that's, and you don't get that in a lot of gangster or crime yeah, stuff where like every single penny Tony gets it it hurts someone else and you see it come out of their pocket you see it come yeah. straight out of their their pocket i i the, in the last season where he's uh well how hey, can i say uh, this okay well it's let's okay. say Look, that I, he I gambles for he, my eight o'clock yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it's fine i'm gonna i'm gonna tweet this out that i'm here listening to you guys Thank you and so then i'm much. gonna um I'm going to excuse myself, but everyone should stay here. This is a riveting conversation. Much more fun than antitrust or whatever I have to go talk about right now. Uh, I'm jealous. Right. Make sure to listen, check out Bree's show, Debrief. But stay, but stay here. Don't, don't come over to me until after you're done listening uh, to Leslie. And I'm sorry, I haven't been introduced to the other voices. This, oh. this is my partner, YB. You have met Hi, YB. Sorry, I thought so. But you, I'm like looking and are you guys sharing a mic or something? Because you don't have your own avatar. Yes, right yes. Now. We're sharing. Oh, we're yeah, sharing we're the sharing the mic with our mixer. Yeah. Okay. We do right. live in the same place. Well, fair enough. It's good to talk to you again. You have the clearest bell, most bell-like voice. It's a real oh, pleasure wow. to listen to. Thank you so much. It's, I'm a huge fan of yours. Well, Absolutely. the feeling is mutual. Oh. I binge on nothing but pop culture content in my personal time, so I'm a big fan of Struggle Session. I'm glad everybody's here. Make sure you follow Leslie and subscribe to him and all of his shows and stuff on YouTube as well. Help him beat the algorithm. And I will leave you guys to all the spoilers now. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. And it looks like, oh, look at this. Our callers were just respectfully just waiting out. But it looks like they're getting in now. Look at that. Like, people were just hanging out. Well, that's very nice of y'all. But you don't have to be like that. You don't have to be so polite. So, caller, Scott, you are on the line. Unmute yourself. What do you want to talk about? What's up? I just popped in. Um, it looks like I don't know what's on the dock yet. Um, hey, anything, we were talking Sopranos, but this is your show. This is culture. We can talk about anything you want to share with us. Please uh, feel free. Um, well, let me know. What, we're really just talking about TV. Have you been watching anything on TV lately? TV. Yeah, the, the show that I just heard recently was Re- Euphoria. Euphoria. All right. You got to tell me about this because I'm sorry. I'm too old for Euphoria. I'm, I'm well, too so old. So it's basically like, <laughs> yeah, so basically just imagine a um, – a high school setting, basically like high school musical, but everyone does drugs. Okay. And it's super dark and there's like, you know, a lot of dark things that go on, but I like it because it did a pretty good job of um, illustrating the modern high school experience, I would say. I mean, obviously it's way overblown, but there was definitely some things I went to in high school that had the similar vibes yeah, it's interesting because I, I I never got into the show because I never knew really what it was about. Like, yeah, they're high schoolers, but it's like, what? They're high schoolers, but like they're vampires, but like two of them are undercover police officers. But like, like, because most TV shows, like they're high schoolers and they fight vampires. You know, they yeah. always, you know, there's always there's something. something the yeah, there's always something. Oh, and he's being chased by the Terminator. And yeah, the Terminator show was actually a high school show for a bit. But like this before oh. is just about like, like a soap opera about high schoolers doing like doing drugs and hanging out and partying. Is the, and I gotta ask you, as a young person, 
you know, the shows about partying. Are is the are the party scenes fun at least? Because I feel like, especially in the past ten years, no party scenes have been fun. Maybe twenty years. Maybe since Purple Rain, I haven't seen. No, nah, Project X was lit, dude. Project X, yes, Project you know, X Project, was. That was good. the. I a knew Project X. I'm very intimately familiar with Project X. In fact, I have I, never seen it. You've never seen it? Oh, I spent my life outside the United States, yeah, so I didn't so. see the party movie. Project X is good, even though I do have a little bit of history with one of the actors in it. I, that movie is a good movie. That's a good party movie. But how does Euphoria compare to Project X then? Uh, Euphoria is basically like Project X, but like you follow the characters like the day after and the months after and the. And the years after, but one interesting thing about Euphoria that I that I thought was something of note um, is that it was the first time where like a legit like trans person got a major character, and then like as the viewer, you end up like rooting for them. And I had never had that before, but they they made a you know super relatable or not relatable, but like a character that you want to root for, but they happen to be trans, which was like the first yeah, time I the, saw that. Laverne Cox was in um, uh, Orange is the New Black. And um, I don't know if you've seen that series. That was a really, that, mm-hmm. sorry, that was a really positive portrayal of, uh, of a trans woman, um, you know, existing in a space that really wants to assign her um, into a different gender and um but i'm surprised because i hadn't heard anything about euphoria having trans characters yeah i hadn't either so but maybe we have to check out <laughs> yes maybe we have to see we have the brave feeling old although see here's the thing folks I, i'm sorry to say the kids your generation i'm sorry i don't think y'all party that hard actually i have to say i i in comparison it's like your raves have been all it's not your fault like Ticketmaster like bought all the venues so raves end at like 11 30 but you know well, I think, like, I mean, Zendaya is, what, 24 right now? It's, like, 10-year difference. So that two years of those 10 years have been spent in the pandemic. Uh, yeah, lockdown, and another so. thing, oh, man, I f- really feel sorry for the kids during the pandemic. Yeah. They're getting out there now, but well, Scott, thank you so much for your a great call. Really appreciate you calling. For in. sure, yeah. Yeah, please. Thanks for be, listening. Yeah, don't, don't be a stranger. Have a good one. All right, peace. All right, and... On to our next caller, Ryan. Go ahead and unmute your mic there at the bottom of the screen whenever you're ready. How's it going? Do I sound all right? Oh, yeah, you sound great. Beautiful. Um, I was going to get back more into Sopranos, if that's okay. Oh, absolutely. I didn't hear a lot of Carmella talk. And uh, okay. Oh, it's a character to me that is so interesting, especially compared to the pilot where she's kind of a stereotypical mob wife, but they really – yeah, change her up, and I don't know. I really like it's a character I've never really thought about. Like, she's constantly, you know, denying the life she lives and looking down upon all the other mob wives, but really, you know, oh, yeah, she isn't too different from them. I, I would totally agree. Like, she's a consummate player, she's in her own right, um, always kind of pulling the strings in the background and encouraging that fight. And then really takes tries to take on a more financial role when she sees her other friends, you know, kind of buying into the business or having a crew or having a business. And she really kind of searches. I I love I loved watching her grow. I know that I don't know if it was. Do you think it was intentional to have her be more actively complicit, or do you think it was just 
you know, was it was there a point when they're like, oh, maybe she could be the good voice in all of this? You think they had that? In mind? I don't know. I feel like you know, it, it like you like a like you said, Ryan. Like she was a typical mob wife in that first episode. But me, you know, seeing the last season, I can't help but think that this had to be like the plan all along to kind of because the show zig, always zigs where where other mob stuff zags. That's the signature thing. So instead of making her be the wife who you know leaves and leaves with the children in the last fucking scene she's the one who's like just ends up as dep- almost as depraved as uh, Tony and sticks with him and like makes like helps make him a worse person yeah and she never even she never even considers any therapeutic help yeah she, and she doesn't, <laughs> like, she doesn't care she doesn't really care that much about her kids I don't think like isn't there a scene maybe in the last episode where she like just tells AJ like cut the shit I'm tired of it she was you know AJ was conflicted and going through a lot of stuff and he was in that mental institution she was just like he they were together at therapy you know family therapy for him and he says uh you know he blames her for calls her out on all this shit she's done and he's like cut it you know she really wants him to like stop the process you know and she's just full anti i remember when she goes and sees a therapist herself and the guy is basically like, you have two choices. You know, you can, you know, face up to all this horrible stuff you've put up with, or you can just live in ignorance. And, you know, she she makes her choice. Oh, I've yeah. forgotten that scene. Yeah, you're right. She really makes an active choice to be okay with everything. And I think her, you know, her relationships with the other kind of matriarchs of the different, you know, men of the mob, yeah. She's just looking down on all of them. She's like, I'm so much better than all of you. And, and she actively, it's really interesting. Yeah. Well, right. go ahead. She, no, she, you're right. She actively kind of maneuvers them. She takes away Ginny's uh, house. You know, she pushes to have her moved out because this is, uh, you know, Tony's supposed to take care of the family and all the spouses. But when Vito, you know, takes off for New Hampshire or whatever and, uh, Paul Scaramatti, I think his last name is, you know, dies in jail. Spoilers. Sorry, guys. But she really she really makes it her uh, mission to see the money away from these families, as does Tony. And, uh, boy, I think it all hinges on that moment Then you mentioned that she really makes that active decision to just full on buy into the whole um, the whole murderous uh, life. Well, Ryan, thank so you so much for your wonderful call. Please don't be a stranger. We will certainly be talking more Sopranos in the future as well as I catch up on the rest of this, uh, this, this series. But we're going to take go ahead and take our uh, last caller, second to last. If you want to get in, get in now. Phantom Fanto, come on up. How are you doing, buddy? How's it going? Go ahead and unmute yourself whenever you're ready down at the bottom my phantom is might be having a little bit of glitch but might be having a little glitch there oh he had to disconnect but if we oh here we go he's back on back on let's see are you there hello 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 how's it going check 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 oh you might not uh phantoms may be having a little issue there with his uh with his app but if you want to call in let's try him one more time 
But if you want to call in, hit us up with the last call. This is last call. Finally. Oh, finally. How's it finally. going? I would hate to have, because Phantom is you're one of our biggest supporters just of me personally, of struggle session, of everything. But we really, of the Katie Halper show, we really appreciate uh, you calling in. So what do you want to talk about? Well, let's talk oh, about Sopranos. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I find, yes, yes. I do come from a uh, Italian family. So um, oh, wow. I, I think uh, the interesting thing to me about Sopranos is when I was watching it was um, I watched it in succession. I didn't watch it in, um, when it was on the air. So mm. because I was watching it, uh, eventually what happened was I would start skipping the therapy scenes Oh, <laughs> because I think it had something to do with me and like a uh, feeling with the therapists that I would visit at some time. I'd be like, I, I don't really want to get into too deeply yeah. here. Yeah. And so what was interesting was after like, you know, the 10th or 12th episode, I mean, after like the second season or third season, cause I was watching it week to week and it already ended. And it had ended like uh, five years or three years before, three years later or what have you. And yeah. so when I was watching, I just, I mean, this was even after James Gandolfini died and everything. Wow. So, yeah. So as I was watching, I was thinking like, uh, not just skipping the therapy scenes, but I was thinking of like, I wonder how much Gandolfini, Gandolfini was this character. And what I mean is. Yeah. How much he was eating, how much he was smoking, or was he like that? Was he like that before, or was, or did he become like that after? Because <clears throat> I'm told a lot of times actors, because they get in the habit of smoking and eating and getting into character, for some reason, their acting coaches and their and and all of their agents and managers tell them get in the character, get in the character. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering how much of that was James Gandolfini. I think I've read that he was you know, di a different person than his character. Like he was a very sweet man and brilliant actor, you know, very well liked. Um, I don't know if he was like a cigar aficionado. Well, you know. He was smoke lucky stripes uh, before lucky stripes. certain scenes. Lucky stripes. I mean, he lucky stripes. But he wasn't a smoker oh. regularly. He just, he would just smoke a, a cigarette, you know, to get into character. But I, I, I don't think he was, I mean, I don't think if you're, he just for certain scenes like how many cigarettes can you have and like not be a problem like it wait what do you mean like how many, your life how well, many, you can't sit down and like chain smoke you get i mean if you're not a chain smoker and you try to chain smoke you you would feel sick maybe yeah like what i mean is like if he's just smoking like a pack a year you know a pack a season Maybe it's not that big a deal. Maybe no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, a pack. I mean, I'm, I don't. Please don't smoke. But like, you know, someone. Well, if you, you gotta do a someone, if you're, let's say you're playing smoker, yeah, Tony Soprano. Let's play, say you're playing mafioso. Yeah. Like you know, light, light one but, up. It's yeah, not. Well, yeah. yeah, no big deal. No big deal. But we're we're not supporting tobacco smoking. Obviously, just but if you're are, as, yeah, you have to be as good people, actor as James Gandolfini. Yeah, and then you can smoke. That's the method. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you something interesting relating to the mob. I don't know if you guys know this, but Sammy the Bull actually has a YouTube ch show. What? I, I've been waiting <laughs> for this shit because I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about like all why, this, all the people. Why do we have mob content? Yeah. Why aren't they grifting social media? Because I've been thinking. He has one of the best lighting setups you'll ever see in oh, your life. I knew this shit was coming. I knew this shit was coming. Like old gangsters and drug dealers. Getting out of jail and start getting on the fucking internet. Of course, of course, 
Of course. We're going to have to get him on Struggle oh, Session. I don't. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> fuck it. Why not? Why the fuck not? Jesus Christ. Jesus because Christ. Maybe. Always for the yeah. Younger. I'm hey. checking out the. Oh, sorry, y'all yeah. can hear that. Yeah, actually. you can hear that. Everybody can hear that, but yeah, I'm checking it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Well, we'll have to talk about it when you check some episodes oh, out. You said uh, you said you uh, Phantom. You said you come from an Italian family. Do you um, do what? What city do you live in? Can yes. you ask yourself, or is that not something you want to do, or maybe? What's what? Well, well, well. I don't live in Italy. I come from an Italian family. As my mom grew up in Abruzzi, uh, she was very. Um, I guess provincial uh, outside of the, the you know the big cities and yeah. stuff like that. She grew up around the time of um, of the Mussolini era and stuff. Oh wow! <laughs> so, oh, wow. Are yeah. You, are uh, you East Coast or West Coast? I'm East Coast. I'm, I'm in Maine. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I'm just from New York. I've been. Yeah. I, I, from like. Yeah. 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 So. Cool. But yeah. Um. To me, like I said, I think shows like that. Um. Th- there's a lot of um areas for a potential in terms of like uh of uh the future of of how we see um mafia shows and, and i think there's i don't know there's, there's something there's something to be said for um of the portrayals i think a lot of times a lot of people don't realize this is like is is it really the stereotypes on Italians are so like they, they just went gangbusters on it in terms of all oh, of the yeah that's my next question yeah yeah. How much of a, a stereotype does this, you know, pr- promote? And, uh, you know, what was kind of uh, the experience for Italian families watching this show in America? Well, being you, like, what? Well, well, you know, my Uncle Tony, who, who was in the mail, who was in the mail business, uh, he would always get the, the, the he would always get that stigma because he came around the time of like um, he was raised around the time when Godfather became big and all of that. They they thought he was in the mob because you know he's called <laughs> Uncle Tony. So. Are you me? That's I mean it, that 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 happens a lot when you have you know. So, yeah, it's a uh, it's it's something to um. But yeah, if people who haven't seen The Sopranos, uh, you should probably check it out and. Uh, yeah, and check out Sammy the Bull Gravano's. YouTube channel. I'm looking at his lights he up. It is good. So his lighting is amazing. His lighting is amazing. Yeah, that. Uh, that's... He's from the bottom of the deck. Oh, he's These talking about threatening to kill. Heard about the game? Somebody brought them. They came in. Two guys. So now I'm alert. I'm watching when it gets to him dealing, and his partner is sitting over here, and he's sitting over there. Oh man. And I'm like this, across from him like this. Now I'm looking. I see the bottom card. Wow, that's a great accent. Hold let's on say it's an ace of spades. It was an ace. I don't know if it was clubs or ace of spades. But let's call it the ace of spades. And sure enough, the card disappears. So fucking fast. by I could have blinked and missed it. But the guy who won <laughs> over here, his partner... Won the hand and had that ace of spades. And it was incredible now that I think about it. Not now, but then I noticed every time he dealt, he won. <laughs> so that is from the video 
Yous are gonna die today from Sammy the Bull Garano, where he tells his story about how he says he's gonna fucking kill this guy for cheating. Absolutely. Thank you, Phantomus, for uh, putting me on that. I will definitely yeah. be adding that into my rotation of uh, true crime and pro wrestling shoot interviews. But thank you so much for your call. Well, well, Leslie, you know, if we can't get him on struggle sessions, what we can do is we can try to do a proxy on useful idiots and then oh, we'll have absolutely. you call that useful idiots. It would be absolutely amazing. But thank you so much for calling in. Nice All right. Talking nice talking to you. To you. YB, thank you so much for co-hosting uh, with me tonight. Always appreciate it. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to, to Culture. Go ahead, head on over to Breeze Show, Debrief. Really appreciate it. See you back Wednesday night at 10 p.m. after Dynamite. We'll talk some wrestling. Peace. <laughs>